0: Hi everyone. This is Ashley Ellen with sky house, herb school and apothecary. And today we are continuing on with our energetic herbalism series. And we'll be talking about cold conditions and hot plants. If you haven't had a chance to subscribe, please click subscribe. Please click like, um, share this with a friend. If you think they might be interested in herbal energetics. Um, and if you haven't listened to the first two talks of the series, you might want to go back and listen to them because they will give you more information to help you understand how plants work together um, and the whole system of plant energetics. So let's dive in to today's talk on cold conditions. I'm gonna screen share right here. So, uh, while I'm pulling this up, I just want to mention that, uh, our early bird special is ending on September 12th. That is today. If you're watching when this is being posted. So if you want to join our upcoming course called roots and spheres, which will be a year long course starting in January, 2023, where my husband and I will be co-leading a series on following the transits of the planetary cycles and using plant teachers, to help us through those planetary transits. So I do hope if you're interested, you can join us. More information will be available um, at the end of this talk and in the description. So let's begin. We will go to slideshow. And we'll start from the beginning and look at cold conditions. So what are cold conditions? And I've been breaking this up because... I know I could just go into the herbs and I was kind of battling with myself because I was like, well, I could just talk about these are cooling herbs. These are heating herbs. But here's the thing. I want you to think about people, you know, your own body and the way that you're going to really start to understand plant energetics is by thinking about what's going on in your body or how these symptoms or conditions show up in your body, because then it will all make more sense. So <laughs> that is why I've structured it in this way to give you uh, an, a way in to memorizing this. And we do that best by applying it. So I want you to think of cold conditions as being like ice. What happens when something freezes? Well, it gets contractive. Um, everything contracts inward. It gets harder. And um, I wrote the word depressive here because think about the functionality of when something gets cold, when you get cold, when you're outside and it's very cold for me in Minnesota in the winter, that's like every day, your body gets tight contracted and everything slows down your mind slows down your breathing slows down your heart rate slows down so we can think of that as a depressive type of state however it's not just depressive with our physiology but also mentally our minds when things get cold we can think of it as a depressive mental state too so if you've ever suffered with depression or know people who have if you think of that in terms of cold it might help you to see what would be helpful, which is stimulation and warmth. And that could, you know, we could think about that symbolically, like affection, love, touch, um, or even just more physiologically, like getting the body moving, getting blood flowing, adding heat, spicy foods, et cetera. So cold in general slows things down. It slows down our metabolism, which slows down our ability to detoxify since metabolism isn't just how quickly we burn food, but it's also how do we excrete wastes? It slows down our responsiveness. And that's not only our responsiveness to stimulation physically, like, you know, you know, I get, I touch a hot stove and I go, I pull my finger away and I go, ouch, that's one type of responsiveness, but also just responsiveness, we can think of it as our immune system response. So our immune system will also become less responsive because everyone, you know, if you think about all the warriors, they're like, Oh, I'm just a little tired. I'm a little cold and feeling a little sluggish. I don't need to go after this, you know, virus. Right. And so that is considered to be a pattern of coldness and slow emotions too again if we the word i think about my daughters they love the movie frozen and so you know elsa the whole story is about she has um you know, a frozen heart, and and that the first song in that movie is about beware of the frozen heart, and so Elsa's learning how to use her powers for good, um, because she has a lot of fear and her heart, is sort of shut down. So, so, you know, this is what happens when you have kids is things turn into Disney movie analogies. So let's look at this chart. We've been using this chart in the last two classes of this series. This chart tells us what element is associated with its different uh, energetic patterns. So here, if we look at the element of earth, we see that earth is cold and dry. And so again, coldness is often compared is often linked with dryness, but it can be linked with wetness too, which is water. Water is cold and wet. And so we'll take a look at that a little later on. But, you know, again, if we think about the earth without the sun, it would just be a hard, cold rock. And that's what earth does is it consolidates, compresses and gets colder. Cold conditions slow down. So if you ever have anything in your body Or if you are working with clients and things are slowing down, you know, we talked about metabolism, but it could also be, you know, things like an eyesight weakening anytime something weakens or slows down, it's because of cold when there's under stimulation, um, like we're not getting enough circulation to different parts of the body that is associated with cold. If you see a tone of blueness in the skin, especially like under the eyes, if you see like dark circles and blueness, if it's not hereditary, uh, if you look at the inside of a person's wrist right in here, if there's a lot of blueness or paleness and blue veins, that can be a sign of cold in the tongue. The tongue is a great place to see cold. It can show up as a very pale tongue or an even bluish tongue. We can see a lack of sensitivity to touch, to emotions, cold feet and hands because of circulation, decreased digestive function. This is a huge one that I see a lot in my practice where you know someone will just have very sluggish digestion. And so this is, I think the first thing I think of is cold. There's something cold going on here. We need to add heat or digestive fire and co- decreased cognitive function. We can think of that too, as a slowing down of circulation, maybe of blood and fluids around the brain or just a decreased sensitivity mentally. So what do we do? Well, again, we apply the opposite in simplest terms we just heat things up. So what are we going to do herbally? We're going to try to increase heat. We're going to um we talked about how how coldness also is contractive like ice freezes and gets hard. So we want to also apply heat to help things relax because think about if you're blood is trying to flow through your body and you're really, really cold. Not only is the blood itself going to be cold, but the, the arteries and veins are going to be in a contracted state. So we want to warm up the body. That'll increase um, the relaxation of the muscles in- relaxation of the arteries and veins. It'll increase blood flow, fluid movement, um, detoxification, everything will be improved, including digestion when we heat the body up. Now, I want you to be careful though, because if someone's already hot, which hot people often like to be heated up more. It tends to be, there's this issue that people have where they think a little bit of something is good. And if they get, start to get too much, I think about it as a snowballing effect. So for those of you that are hot and you're like, oh good, I need more heat. I can get smarter and I can move faster. Snowballing is true. Whereas if you think, you know, if you start, if you keep taking on more and more and more heat, it'll actually end up backfiring. So this is, you know, again, these are tactics for someone that's dealing with those cold conditions. We talked in the second video about the compounds associated with cooling herbs, like our um, flavonoids and some of our different um, fruit acids here for heating tastes, the, the very number one, Compound in chemistry that's associated with heating and increasing activity in the body are the volatile oils. Now, these are not the same as essential oils. So, I don't want you going out buying a bunch of doTERRA oils and downing them. This is volatile oils are naturally occurring in plants along with other compounds. So, I'm talking really here about volatile oils in the whole plant. So, these are these ones have the tastes that you are familiar with as being aromatic, spicy, and pungent. So we can think about, um, did I miss a slide? Nope, I didn't yet. Okay, so a lot of our mint family plants are really packed with volatile oils. This is a kind of a hack. So if you think about cold, think about mint family plants. And I I think I'm gonna have to do a a course here on botany too, because learning plant families is a great way to help you build your repertoire of herbs. But mint family plants include um, plants that have volatile oils like peppermint, spearmint, rosemary, lavender, catnip, oregano, um, all of our minority. So we can do Monarda fistulosa, which is called sweet leaf or bee balm or Monarda didyma, which has the red flowers and then thyme. And then there's hundreds more in the mint family. Mint family plants have opposite leaves, square stems, often volatile oils, and they have a very specific looking flower. It looks like a little orchid. So all of these things um, are characteristic of this plant family, along with these volatile oils. We can think about other herbs. I feel like I'm missing a slide, but I guess I didn't, um, maybe I've made it in my head, but I wanted to say that other plants that are packed with volatile oils include cayenne. um, You know, think about anything that's spicy, garlic, ginger, turmeric, all of those are also very, very spicy, warming and increased circulation. So what I'm gonna do now is I want you to think about the different systems of the body. And then I'm going to tell you which herbs are best because we, we talked about this, I think in the first video that plants have organ affinities for whatever reason, we, we know some reasons because some in some cases certain compounds are broken down in very specific parts of the body. So they tend to gravitate there like towards the liver, towards the small intestine or towards, um, you know, the stomach right? But other compounds, we don't really understand why they go to certain places like the reproductive organs or the brain or, um, you know, the throat, right? But they do plants have affinities for organ systems. So these, if you're thinking about coldness in the cardiovascular system, this might be someone with low blood pressure. This might be someone who has cold hands and feet, Raynaud's syndrome is, is a common one. Um, Diabetes is often considered to be a cold, damp condition and can affect cardiovascular health and you can get um, diabetic neuropathy. So those cardiovascular type conditions will be best served by some of our really strong cardiotonic herbs that are cardiac stimulants or cardio stimulants, Um, not necessarily heart stimulants, but maybe I would say I should, I should clarify and call them um, circulatory stimulants, not necessarily cardiac muscle stimulants. So these ones are cayenne, garlic, turmeric. I didn't include this, but prickly ash is another one that I love to use. Prickly ash is a little harder to find, but it's a wonderful one, especially if you have difficulty or issues with um, circulation to your fingers and toes. So give that one a try very warming, very heating, very um, diffusing. So a lot of these herbs, these, these heating volatile oils are diffusive. So we talked about cold contracting. Think about all of these as breaking that up and diffusing heat throughout the body. Now, what about the digestive system? So if you're someone where you eat food and it just sits there like a lump in your stomach, you would probably be served very well by using some herbs that will increase digestive heat. Now we could, put, you know, turmeric in that category and garlic and ginger in there too. But I really like these herbs. I really like peppermint, catnip, especially, um, catnip is especially really good if you also hold stress in your stomach. Let's say you tend to be a nervous type. And when you get your nerves go up, you get stomach aches or butterflies in your stomach. Your stomach locks up. Catnip is really good for warming and relaxing the stomach in that way. Then we have cloves, cardamom, really nice for increasing digestive fire. And also chamomile. We might not think of chamomile as being warming, but it is, it's quite warming and relaxing for the digestive system. And it has some bitter compounds that make it really, really nice for increasing liver function as well. So all of these are really nice, You know, they would all go really nicely together in a tea what about the nervous system? So I would also think about if someone is suffering from depression or just low mood, we can also think about this as seasonal affective disorder. So there's coldness and slowness in the mind and in the spirit. My favorite number one herb for this is rosemary. Rosemary is such a wonderful mind lift. Like it's a mood lifter. It stimulates the mind to think to remember, Uh, you know, this could be could also think about this for things like dementia, or Alzheimer's, Uh, you know, just anything that that is going to stimulate more energy to the mind. Rosemary is my top herb for that. Then also you can think about herbs that have a little bit of a stimulant quality, cacao. So maybe drinking a little hot cocoa can be a great mood lifter. And there's actually been a number of studies that have shown that chocolate is indeed an antidepressant. So not only is it high in all these antioxidants, it's also a mood lifter and antidepressant. Coffee and tea in moderate doses for someone who runs cold and has a depressed state can be wonderful. And cayenne as circulatory tonic can also, you know, the, the mind and body are not separate. So if you increase circulation throughout the whole body, which cayenne does that everywhere, it will affect the mood. Now, when we have coldness in the immune system, which means we have a dampening of the immune system, we can use herbs like garlic, which is an excellent immune modulator and sort of heightens the react. Activity and the responsiveness of the immune system to fight viruses and bacteria is, is wonderful. Also, oregano is a great herb for increasing immune activity. It's also a strong antiviral. So it will work in that way as well. Same with Monarda, fistulosa and Monarda didyma. Both of those are wonderful immune tonics. And I tend to use those with my girls all winter long. I'll just throw a few leaves of Monarda into whatever tea I'm making for them in the morning. And I know it's going to heat them, warm them, and help them keep their immune systems on alert. Cold, damp mucus. This happens a lot, especially as we are, and you know, here in North America heading towards these cooler winter months. Is that when you have coldness matched with dampness, you just get a lot of mucus. So, how do we dry that up? Well, some of our heat, you know, hot drying herbs would be again, Menarda, oregano, and garlic. Really, really good for this. And and certainly there's others we could add in thyme, uh, we could add in ginger. Um, But those are sort of the ones that you can think of to use. But what about cold dry? How does that show up? Well, I think that often shows up in the skin when we have cold, dry skin, and especially when we have slow wound healing, when our skin, you know, there's lack of circulation to the surface of the skin. And so we have festering wounds. If you've, you know, it's a high risk for people who have diabetes to have amputations, because what happens is they get lessened circulation to their feet. And so if they get a little cut on their foot, they won't, they'll have very slowed wound healing. And then that can lead to infection, gangrene, and then ultimately um, an amputation. So if we can use some of these warming herbs that are also vulneraries, which speed up wound healing. So yarrow and calendula are my top two for warm and heating. Calendula is also really good. Matthew Wood, one of my teachers says Calendula is for where the sun don't shine. So it's often used in diaper creams and diaper balms. Um, But so you can think about, you know, calendula is also being sort of a warming and drying herb to use for any sort of uh, damp rash, like a diaper rash, that's not healing, but it can also be used to speed up wound healing. Now, how do you use these herbs? When we talked about hot, You know, we want, we don't want to be drinking for a hot person. We're using cooling herbs and cooling foods. We want them to be in a cooler state, but for cold conditions, we want to really, really try to warm up the body. So this is where our hot teas are going to shine. So use all of the herbs that I've mentioned in their respective ways as a hot tea or a decoction decoction is cooking the herbs like a stew. You would simmer it maybe for 15 minutes, especially for things that are hard. Like I like to make a lot of chai tea where I use cardamom and cloves and coriander and fennel and licorice root. These are all hard and dense. So I, I need to cook them on the stove for 15, 20 minutes, low heat covered. That's a really good way to get those volatile oils out. You do have to keep it covered though. So you don't lose those volatile oils in the steam because they will evaporate. Same thing's true for hot tea. So you can use your oregano, more of your leafy herbs. You can infuse them as a hot tea, maybe infuse them for 15 minutes, but make sure they're covered because you, again, you want those volatile oils to go in your body, not into the air and then you can also cook with these you can cook with rosemary cook with sage cook with your garlic and your ginger so those are the my top methods is you know how do you use heat and moisture to bring these medicines into the body and then another way this is a little bit more of a creative way and and it actually can be very very therapeutic and effective is to incorporate these herbs into steams <clears throat> so if you're dealing with congestion, mucus, throw a bunch of those herbs into a hot you know, bowl of water that's steaming and then throw a towel over your head and do a facial steam, do a lung steam with those. It's a great way to get those in. It'll bring the warmth and it will soften up any of that hard tissue. Um, sometimes we get uh, tight muscles from coughing so much. So that's a great way to incorporate these herbs and herbal baths way underestimated. But if you can, this winter sometime, use some herbs, I don't, I don't recommend throwing them right into the bathtub, because it is not relaxing to clean them all up off the sides of your tub. So (laughs) throw them in an old sock or pantyhose or tie them in a handkerchief and uh, infuse those into your baths. And that's a great way your body, your skin is such a great conduit way. It's a wonderful way of absorbing these phytochemicals into your bloodstream and into your body. It's like a direct access, especially to the hands and feet. And then when you're considering these herbs, what else can you do? Well, if you want to heat the body, um, along with your hot teas, along with your seams and baths, try to increase warm foods and drinks, increase the heat in the environment that might, you know, if you can't turn up the heat in your Office building, that just means you might need to wear more warm clothes. So wear a scarf, you know, they're stylish. Wear a scarf to work, you know, double up on your socks or wear, you know, a warm cardigan over your blouse, you know, find ways to make sure that your body is staying warm. Exercising that's a great way for increasing blood circulation. Uh, that definitely gets things moving, increases detoxification. The brain loves exercise. So that's another way that you can increase heat and then If you are fortunate, maybe you have access to a sauna. If not, just steam up your bathroom. I used to do that where, you know, take a towel and plug the bottom of the the bathroom door and turn on the shower full steam, full heat, and just stand there and breathe in that hot, hot Uh, steam and, um, you know, that'll really help to warm and soften and dampen the body and uh, hot baths. Again, don't underestimate the simple stuff. It, It really can make a difference. So I hope that's helpful. Uh, I hope that some of these herbs, again, we talked about mint family. So those ones, you know, keep those in mind. Think about all your chai herbs, anything that you could throw into a chai tea, that's gonna be warming. Think about all of the spices you might might, might use to cook. Those are gonna be warming. And um, next up, we'll be talking about damp conditions. So stay tuned, we'll talk about what are damp conditions, which plants have them, how to use them. And then um, that's all for today. Oh, hi, Virginia. Um, I'm recording right now, sweetheart. Can you give me two minutes? (laughs) <laughs> so please please uh if you haven't if you haven't liked this like it if it was helpful to you um let your kids listen to it because kids this is kid friendly content and uh we are hosting our new series Roots and Spheres which will start uh next year on, in January so if you want to learn more about the planetary cycles and transits and learn about plants and how to incorporate them to support you through transits That will be happening. So um, stay tuned for more information. Sign up if you would like. And I will see you all for the next class um, coming up soon. So uh, let's exit out here. And we will say adios. Do you guys want to say bye, girls? you want to say? Bye. 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 Say bye. Say have a good day. Bye. Bye. We can Have a good day, na 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 na. Nah.